Jeff Ogilvy survives Wingfoot. Now the moment Aaron Bradley has waited. Curry Webb is the five-time Australian Open champion. Golf at its best by one of the best in golf, Peter Thompson. Stand in front of a crowd like this today and win the PGA Championship is pretty special. He's done it at last. Greg Norman. his name on the Stonehaven Cup. Leishman to 11 under. Now we've got a new leader, kids. Here is Adam Scott. A life changer. Coming up next, you have unrestricted access to golf across Australia and the world. Thanks to Golf Australia, we're going inside the ropes. Subscribe now on iTunes or your favourite podcast app or head to golf.org.au. Hello and welcome to Inside the Ropes, episode number one. Two, three. Whoa, whoa, wait. Is that is that the best you've got, Hazy? Come on, put you back into it. <clears throat> hello and welcome. Oh, that's just loud. You just sound like Frank Walker from National Times. Oh, Trials. hello. Hello. <laughs> G'day. <laughs> G'day. I'm not, no. Let's All go. right. Okay. It's one, two, three, Ellie. It is one, two, three. Ellie Whitaker, come on down. It's great to be here. Great to see you, Hazy. The kids, it, I mean, dad has, dad's left us for the day and the kids are at play. That's right exactly now. That's how it, I feel. That's what it feels like to me. Because it's always weird when you start this podcast and you don't hear Andy Marr's voice. Yeah, it is, it's jolting. Especially <laughs> it's when it's bit... me in those chair. <laughs> Maybe you should take over. Oh, well, you know what? We've got a great episode up really for everyone uh, today. And we've got quite a bit of news from around the world as well, which is fantastic. Some we have fantastic storylines. We've got a, and some breaking news in our second segment, which is fantastic, about the All-Australian, oh, sorry, the Australian All-Abilities Championship. And we're going to introduce um, Christian Hamilton, who's been on the show before, to come in and tell us some great news about this groundbreaking event in December, played as part of the Emirates Australian Open, which is awesome. Um, we can't wait for... Can't wait for that. That's going to be huge. And we're going to talk in a few minutes, Ellie, to the man of the moment, Jack Trent. Can't wait. Yeah, I mean, two two times. Little did we know this time last week um, that we'd be having the news that we do. I He might be our first back-to-back guest that we've ever had. Yeah, you're probably not f- far off. Because generally we don't preempt them and then back over our own glory the next week. Well, yeah, no, we usually try and, like, if we, we, we try and guess the storylines that are going to happen and then swoop <laughs> after they do and then, you know, keep you all abreast of, yeah. uh, of all the news. Nothing like patting yourself on the back, is it? <laughs> well, let's talk about it. Let's go him right off the top and then we'll, we'll try and track him down in a few minutes' time. But we, we did talk to Jack Trent this time last week, a young Queenslander in the, at the University Nevada, Las Vegas, um, following Adam Scott's footsteps, he would just been out to play around, or was heading out to play around, uh, practice round at TPC Summerlin before the Shriners open, or the Shriners for Children's Hospitals open. Uh, he was just out there to have a good time, really. I don't, I know he probably had internal thoughts about doing something special, but I'm not sure how many people believed he could do it. No, and in all fairness, for me, so like every time I prep for an event, I look for the kind of the sleeper bet, like who's who's going to throw everyone out, who's going to be the story of the week. And after listening to the podcast last week where Jack talked about the fact that, you know, at that golf course he'd been a member there for about a year and a half, and when you're a member somewhere, you play it off the tips all the time. Yeah. Like when you're when you're an elite player, you never play off the forward tees. You always play it off the back. And and you know, 
you know how hard or easy that golf course can play. And I just always think that that's such an advantage, especially given that there was probably no home course pressure on him last week because that was, you know, a couple of years back, I think when they first moved over um, to to Vegas. But um, I, I would have probably had him on my radar as a potential to make the cut. But he, he kind of went a little better than that. Yeah, he did go a little better. But, it, it, you know, even to make the cut to me was a bit of a pipe dream, I thought. I, I actually completely agree with what you're saying. But I thought if he could just stand on the same practice ground as Phil Mickelson mm. and the ilk, Adam Scott, his hero, and not get carried away, he'd be doing really, really well. Yeah. But, you know, not only did he shoot towards the top 10 in the first round, he he, he bogeyed a couple of holes early in his second round and you thought oh, it was nice while it lasted. But he's really built a stern stuff, this young fella, isn't he? Like he clearly has something going on. Yeah, and I think, you know, even listening to the way that he spoke about his golf, um, he obviously is a guy that that puts in the hard yards but kind of just takes it one step, step at a time. You know, how he said, I'm, I'm getting used to a little bit more exposure how when he walked away with the exemption, it was it was kind of a weird situation. And you, you touched on it last week where um, usually in college events, if you, you just you just tie. You tie for first and yep. you walk away. There's never there's never playoffs because all the teams have flights to catch and they, they get out of there because you've got exams the next day and that kind of thing. But um, going you know, going three holes head to head in a playoff is super rare. Yeah. Um, and it was all because the exemption was up up for grabs and he's obviously like Play, playoffs are really hard. Like qualifiers for me, if someone's a good qualifier player, if they're in on Mondays, they go out and they shoot 62. Um, for me, maybe not that week, but th- showing that they've got the mental medal to actually get things done and playoffs for me, they're, they're big check marks. And the playoff against Cole Hammer too, who's gone on to be, uh, albeit briefly, but I'm sure he'll go back there at some stage this year, the number one amateur in the world. I mean, it's a real feather in his cap. Um, before we get to talk to him in a couple of minutes, we should just wrap up the tournament. Uh, one by Kevin Nah, um, 23 under against Patrick Cantlay in a playoff. Um, playoff's gone uh, just two holes. Kevin Nah is turning into a beast. Words <laughs> I never thought I'd hear out of my mouth for 200. Thanks, Ellie. Yeah, well, I mean, it was shaky early on. For, for Like he had, I think he had a four-shot lead going into the start of the final round and it was down to one shot, I think, after about six holes. It, he looked really shaky and it's really hard to stop the rot when that happens because of the demons and yeah. he's, and he's had his fair share over the years. He'll be the first guy to admit that, but. Oh, he's a haunted house. Yeah. <laughs> the haunted house of Kevin Nah. Oh, we'll have none of that. Um, <laughs> gosh, terrible. Where's so Andy? bad. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and that's all from me today. That's inside the ropes. But uh, yeah, I, I just really, I like Kevin. I like, yeah. you know, and we don't always get to say that about our winners. But he, He's turned into a, a faster player. He's exercised some of those demons and he's winning. He's won three or four times. I, I should have got the stats. I'm just, I can't get organized today, but three or four times in his last 30 or 40 events. I mean, he's, that's a legitimate strike rate of a world-class player. Hadn't won for a million years before that. Um, but wow, Kevin Nah, And he's, and he's again, like, as you were mentioning with Jack Trent against Cole Hammer, He's beaten a legitimate player in Patrick Cantlay too in a playoff situation. Cantlay's hot too and they're rolling in birdies. 
the scores are off the charts. I'm not sure if Rory McIlroy would have had an oh opinion on the uh, oh. on the scores of uh, what's going on at TPC Summerlin and 23 under, as we mentioned, but the scores generally were just off the charts low. Yeah, yeah. I mean, Rory's going to, he's just... He's going he's gonna to he, hate he's, that. It's going to come back and bite him about 10 times this year. Yeah, yeah. I mean, they're trying to make him a flagship tour player on the European tour, as you'd want to with someone from Northern Ireland. And he just keeps on, you know, he's one of the best interviews because he rattles his mouth off and you're not, and he'll, he'll be blunt. He'll yep. give you his opinion, which in the media is fantastic. Yep. The, it goes both ways as a player because it's sometimes it's positive, sometimes it's negative and he has to deal with that. But yeah, you can't just throw out stuff like that without backing it up with some facts. So you've just come back from Europe. How did that, how did that sort of thing go down? Um, I, I mean, the, the way that I look at golf is I base my opinion off research mm. and that is, that I is what do I that do. Yeah. <laughs> a lot of people do. It's a simple <laughs> thing. Um, but I just, I just, yeah, throwing out statements like that without, that are unfounded and don't necessarily match up with the numbers because yeah. numbers don't really lie that much. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Anyway. We, we digress. We do digress. We do. And we're very lucky. I think we've managed on the bat phone to track down Jack Trent. And it's my absolute pleasure to introduce uh, Jack Trent. Jack, what an incredible week you had uh, last week. Give us your reactions. Um, yeah, at the start of the week, I was trying to just, um, not only hoping to make the cut, but put together you know, four really solid rounds. Um, I know the course quite well, um, so I was you know, getting really excited and... Uh, yeah, I kind of exceeded my own expectations this week. So I'm just over the moon right now. It was a bit surreal when I walked off 18 green, but um, it's kind of sunk in now. So I realized what I've done and it was uh, pretty cool for me. So, Jack, if you're being fed income, because we were talking about it before we tracked you down here, different people would have had different expectations of you. Um, you know, I'm sure you wanted to put up a good show and I'm sure you wanted to win the event. Did you realistically think you could, A, make the cut and B, vaguely contend, put your name on the front page of the leaderboard when you walked off the course on the third and fourth rounds? Yeah, um, a lot of people are saying a lot of different things um, to me leading up and, you know, right before the tournament. Um, I had people saying, hey, I hope you make the cut. Um, and I try and ignore those texts because, um, I don't know, I, I wasn't, like, just planning to make the cut. I, I wanted to play all four rounds and I wanted to put up some, some good golf. Um, and some people saying... Hey, you can go out and win this. Um, I wasn't, <clears throat> yeah, that's nice to see as well, but that's not exactly, you know, it's my first professional golf tournament, um, so it's not, I think, really realistic. But um, I had a lot, of pe- a lot of supportive texts just saying, go out there, play your own game, and, you know, and try and enjoy and soak up the moment. So that's what, honestly what I was trying to do. Um, tried to not look at the leaderboard too much, but uh, they're about... Uh, 50 feet wide, those electronic <laughs> screens, so they're kind of hard to miss. But, uh, they black out the um, sun. So my eyes are a bit drawn to that. Yeah. <laughs> you know, they're pretty big, and they have the, uh, every time you're on the green, they show you how far your putt is and uh, what your score is for the round. So it's kind of cool. But um, my own expectations for the week was to put, you know, four sold rounds together. So I think I did a pretty good job of that. So. Jack, talk to us about, like, the first tee. So, how were you feeling getting into to Thursday round? Like, were you, were you nervous? Did, was there a weird sense of calm, like energy levels? Can you can you talk about kind of 
just as you are entering uh, the mind frame of, of tournament golf? Yeah, the first round? Yeah, yeah, on the Thursday, yeah. Oh, um, yeah, when I, I was actually, I had a pretty bad warm-up, to be honest. I was not hitting a bit on a range. Um, my putter was fine, but I was, I could not hit the ball to save my life on the range, and I was thinking, oh, no. But, um, but I was trying to not think about that, and then I got under the first tee, and, you know, my hands were visibly shaking, and um, <laughs> not because it was a little bit chilly, but uh, it was pretty nervous for me, and, um, I'm just glad I made contact with the golf ball for the first tee shot. Um, I kind of, we kind of pulled it into the left rough, and I bogeyed my first hole. And um, yeah, I said, I said to my caddy, "Great effing start," but uh, <laughs> <laughs> I managed, to, <laughs> managed to birdie the next hole, and then I think I turned a nine at three under, so I was, you know, started settling in and stuff like that. But um, yeah, first tee nerves got me. I was really nervous, but um. Yeah, I I don't know. It's I've had similar experiences like for USM and US Junior, but I think this one took the cake. <laughs> I was going to ask you about that because you, you know you have been in some key spots, presumably as you said at the US Amateur this year, but also um, you know presumably for UNLV you, where you stood on the on the tee and had to had to you know man up and do what you got to do. But I imagine when you probably looked along the range and seen Mickelson or you know, Adam Scott, as we mentioned earlier, that it, it's a little bit more daunting than anything you could possibly prepare for. Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, my practice round with Adam Scott um, kind of eased my mind on the Tuesday. Um, I wasn't allowed to play in the Pro-Am on the Wednesday, so I was just kind of practicing. And um, <clears throat> as I got to the course and I was walking up to the putting green, I saw Adam Scott coming off the range because he had an earlier tee time than me. And he said, hey, good luck, Jack. Uh, so that was kind of cool. But um, I think that that's when it kind of hit me like, hey, like, this isn't fun in games. But, um, you know, I do actually have to, you know, play competition now. So, um, But, yeah, I was just trying to get myself in the right headspace. And um, yeah, trying to treat it like any other golf tournament was the hardest part for me. Um, so it was kind of like mental games out there for me. Um, I've played the course quite a lot, so... When you're not looking at the grandstands, it is the same old course you've played a lot, and um, you just have to play your game. Don't look at the pros, and um, just you know, keep your head down. That's what I was trying to do. Uh, I think it worked out pretty well. It sure did. So did you have any interactions, you know, on the range or conversations after any of your rounds, or indeed the tournament with a superstar that really blew your mind? Um, not really. I um. A couple of the UNLV alumni, like Charlie Hoffman and Brian Moore, they were you know, just small conversations with them on the range and Chipping Green. And um, you know, just before I um, went to the range on uh, my final round, Cam Smith came up to me and he, uh, he said, hey, you Jack? And I'm like, yeah, yeah. Yeah, good playing so far. Best of luck today. So um, that, was, that was really nice to see. Um, That's awesome. So yeah, I didn't really get, I didn't get to meet um, Phil Mickelson or kept for anything but um no, I did get to play practice round you know mark champion so that's pretty high level I think mate you finished ahead of Mickelson and Kepka don't worry about them they're just choppers <laughs> <laughs> but, yeah I uh I just saw that, so that was kind of cool. Yeah, it is. It's great to hear that Cam came out, and it sounds exactly like something Cam Smith would do. We'd come up, try yeah. and find you, and, and wish you luck. But it, it is an interesting thing for an amateur. Um, 
when you kind of, when you buy into going and chatting with the big guys, like, oh, I really want to meet Phil Mickelson, I, you know, oh, that's Brooks Kepke, because it's kind of, it's a little bit anti, like, it, I don't know, it's not that productive for you in terms of trying to treat it like a normal event. As soon as you kind of buy into that, it's a really no. tough balance to find, don't you think? Yeah. Um, when I, I think it was Tuesday morning, I was in a locker room and I, um, I had my contacts and I'm kind of blind. So I had my contacts in, so I could definitely see across the locker room. Brooks Koepka was, you know, tying his shoes and I thought, in my head, obviously not out loud, but I thought, holy, you know, that's Koepka. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so trying not to like, you know, they are still normal people, you know, they still, they still talk and eat and, you know, drink and do all the same thing, you know, normal people do. So I, once I kind of saw a couple of tour pros, you know, just acting like normal people, I, I think, you know, when I saw Phil Mickelson for the first time, I didn't actually get to see him until Saturday. Um, it didn't really phase me or anything. I didn't really feel like, I mean, it was obviously cool to see him walk past me, but um, it wasn't like, oh, wow, that's Phil Mickelson. It was, you know, they're all normal people. And, and um, yeah, just trying to act like I was out there before was a, was a hard part. And, um, yeah, usually I look pretty calm, but on the inside, I was a different story. So talk to us about when, like, when the media kind of caught on. Because after, you know, 67, 69, the first two rounds, the 66, and, and I think it was after that 66 that, ever, like, a couple of uh, media outlets started kind of scur- scurrying to try and get interviews with you. Can you tell us what that was like? Yeah. Um, yeah, it was pretty cool. I had an interview off my 66 with a, like, golf channel and um, Chantel on the, you know, news thing, so that was kind of cool. Um, I don't know, I've had a couple, like, uh, colleagues and UNLV and a couple interviews back in Australia, so the interview part, I don't know, I've always found it kind of natural. I kind of like being in front of the camera. I'm not trying to be cocky or anything, but I I don't know, I don't feel, like, too nervous around it, um, but it is cool that, you know, they want to get you out there, they want to, you know, they're trying to notice you're a good play and trying to reward it and put it on TV. And so, I, you know, it was really cool. So so after the, must have been the fourth round, I think there was a, I saw some footage of you having done your media requirements, peeling back and high-fiving a lot of you guys. I assume they're your Rebels teammates and then your coach. Would that be your coach at UNLV? Yeah, there's a the head coach is Coach Knight and the assistant coach is Coach Rowe. And um, I have my swing coach who I go for. Um, I think it was catting for me this week. And uh, yeah, all the all the boys from the team were out there supporting, which is kind of cool. And uh, yeah, a bunch of clowns, honestly. <laughs> Screaming stuff out in the crowd. And um, yeah, it's, you know, it was good support. And it was kind of funny, some of the stuff I was screaming, just inside jokes. And um, some of the caddies were like, you know, what the hell are they saying? I'm like, I can't say that. I'm running the mic over there, so I can, you know. <laughs> Do, have, you and, had, uh, have you had uh, a chance to yeah. sort of, you know, um, debrief with them and tell them what it was like, or could they? Is it just blown their mind that their mates out there doing their, his thing on the world stage? Um, I didn't get to see him. I mean, I saw him after my round, but um, I was actually signing a bunch of stuff for all the kids, uh, so that was actually really cool. They kind of took off and. Um, I mean, I got to saw him at my uh, 
6 a.m. workout this morning, so I didn't really get much of a sleep in or a break. Um, and, uh, yeah, I just thought, yeah, good playing. That was really cool. And, um, I mean, at that early in the morning, you don't really feel like talking, so yeah. just kind of just going through the motions. So, but, but, you know, there's only a bunch of texts saying, hey, like, that was really cool to watch you and stuff. So, yeah. I'm sure that Coach Knight and your swing coach and, and um, Heinegger back in Australia, everyone's really given you some unbelievable tuition over your years. Could you have possibly learned more in a four-day stretch than what you just did, even if it's just mental? Um, yeah, it's... Uh, time can be a you know, funny thing. You can either you know, not learn a lot in six years, depending on how you look at things, and... Uh, we can learn triple the amount in four days. So, uh, you know, what I, I learned a lot of stuff, just the way the, the pros act and handle themselves. Um, I was kind of trying to, like, not copy their style, but copy um, the way they handle a bad shot. Or, um, I mean, one of them, one of the guys that played with, uh, you know, did slam the club uh, in front of the camera. Uh, I, can't, I can't do that because I want exemption, but, um, yeah, just the way they talk with the caddies, interact with um, people, and how seriously they take it. Um, I don't. Know, I find I can take golf like life and death. Um, I mean, I was I am born in Brisbane. I grew up in a surf town, so I don't know how seriously you can take things anyway. But um, <laughs> yeah, I, I don't know. I, <laughs> um, I honestly. I didn't talk to the guys I was playing with a whole lot. Um, I didn't want to be as the, known as the you know the young amateur who's you know distracting the hell out of everyone while they're playing. And um, <clears throat> but I, I did learn a lot from Adam Scott. Just a great role model. Just the way he carries himself, the way he talks to people, the media, um, how he you know interacts with fans and everything. So I think I learned more with my practice round with Adam. Um, to be honest. Um, so I, I, during the tournament, I really tried to keep my head down and, uh, you know, focus. But um, I did have a lot of fan support out there from kind of like my new hometown in the way. Um, so that was kind of encouraged me. But uh, it did feel like actually a normal tournament once you get going off the first tee. So. Now, Jack, I fessed up to you last week when we interviewed you before you did all this stuff that, you know, you'd been a name that wasn't at the top of our radar before the US amateur. Uh, I would imagine now that in the last 10 to 12 days of your life, you've realized how much support there is from back on this side of the Pacific. Is that true? Yeah. I, um, I've been kind of under the radar. I don't know if it's like the social media, but my goal for a little bit, I, you know, I had some decent results, but I think that was like, oh, wow. Like, I think I only made Instagram about 11 months ago, maybe not even that. Uh, so, yeah, I think all my buddies back home knew who I was, obviously. But, um, yeah, I left when I was about 15 and a half out of uh, Queensland. So, kind of, it's hard to really be that well-known, you know, at 15 years old. So, I kind of left before you start really developing your game. And, um, yeah, I've kind of been low-key over here until I started, you know, taking... Um, stuff I guess to the next level and trying to get some good results and uh, yeah before this tournament I had um, top 10 and two top 5 so I had some good form going into the Shriners <clears throat> um, so it wasn't it wasn't a massive surprise um, that I was able to shoot um, 
some of the skills I did because I did feel really good with my game. It was just more or less how I could battle the nerves and all the stuff like that. But um, yeah, I'm glad Golf Australia is kind of reaching out, and um, I think I'll be representing them over in Houston for this Spirit International event. Uh, it's like a team. <clears throat> it's like a country tournament. Um, so yeah, I, you know, it's all it's all good exposure. I'm really loving it. But I'm, I'm glad I can start to really represent Australia. Uh, I love my home country, and I'm trying to go back as soon as I can in January. So. Are you going to come back and play the key amateur yeah. events? Yeah, I'm playing um, Masters of the Amateur and um, the Australian Amateur. Uh, I think that's at Royal Queensland. Correct. That's a good one for me. Yeah, it's perfect. So just one more thing on this Australian-ness. A little birdie told me that um, you had really reveled in the ocker blokey nature of some of the Aussie guys, not only at this tournament, but more so at the at the US Amateur, when you'd rub shoulders with them all for the first time and, you know, be able to be yourself, I suppose, and, you know, let out your natural style of humour. Is that a fair comment? Yeah, I um, I may not come across it, like, if you look at me straight up, but um, I was kind of like a bit of a class clown, uh, <laughs> in Australia and stuff like that, and, um, yeah, I don't mind. I got a funny sense of humor in a way, and uh, I, I don't know. I, you don't have to be, you know, dead serious for us to be everything. Um, so, yeah, I think I, in one of my interviews, I mentioned that I had been in school for three weeks, and honestly, I have no clue what my teacher looks like. I don't even know what classes I'm in right now. So, um, <laughs> I, I think I'm in trouble trouble for grades wise, but um, yeah, we'll see what happens when I go back to class tomorrow. Um, but, You'll be right, mate. Yeah, we'll, we'll write you a note. You'll be right. Yeah. yeah I got my mum to sign the commission for the time. Um, but, uh, yeah, I, I don't know. Just try and be yourself, I guess. That's what people like the most, you know. Absolutely. Not Absolutely. Not to be like a robot. Yeah, well, you did a, a pretty good job representing yourself and uh, and the country, I think. It's safe to say. Tied for 29th last week in your first ever professional event, Jack. Four rounds in the 60s, out on the PGA Tour. Uh, check wow. mark, check mark, check mark. Congratulations. Thanks for coming on the show uh, again, and uh, it's great to hear your reflections. No worries. Thanks for having me. Plenty sure. more uh, coming up after the break. Very special interview and some good news uh, that you've found out. Hazy, you're listening to Inside the Ropes. The Golf Australia website is now the place to go to look up your handicap and so much more. Whether you're out and about on your phone or in the office trying to avoid work, just go to golf.org.au and punch your golf link number into the box at the top of the homepage. Who knows, maybe that last round was just good enough to put you in single figures. While you're on the site, check out the daily golf results at your club, view our course index for up-to-date ratings, read the latest golf news from home and abroad, listen Listen to Australian golf podcasts and interviews and watch video tournament highlights or tips to improve your game. It's everything a golf tragic could want. Visit golf.org.au today, the home of Australian golf. Welcome back to Inside the Ropes and I'm joined by a couple of very special people. Uh, Christian Hamilton, the National Inclusion Manager from Golf Australia has joined me in the studio. Thanks, Mark. Good to be here. No, mate, we're delighted to have you because I not only our next guest is super important to us, but 
what she represents is is enormous as well. We're here today to talk about the second edition of the Australian Oil Abilities Championship, which I know is very dear to your heart. Yeah, absolutely, Mark. And um, yeah, look, we're, we're set for a fantastic event this year. I think we spoke uh, late last year and said uh, that the world rankings for golfers with disability was about to expand. So we've got a, a massive field, um, including uh, US players for the first time. We've got uh, Canada coming, uh, Canada, sorry, coming on board. Yeah, so it's my great pleasure to announce our first female player in the AAAC this year. It's Daphne Van Houten from the Netherlands. And so she's going to be not only the first player in the AAAC, a female player, but she's going to be the first player who's played as part of the Australian Open in 104 years of this tournament. It's a massive uh, honour, I assume, but let's find out from the woman herself. And Daphne Van Houten's joined us on the line from the Netherlands. Welcome, Daphne. Thank you. I don't know how all that sounds to you. It's a it, it's a pretty big deal for us. Does it come across that way to you from so far away? Um, well, not yet. Maybe when I'm there. <laughs> <laughs> you, your golf is um, it's pretty amazing. There's no uh, free passes given to the Australian All Abilities Championship. You've earned this spot on merit, um, so there is no question about that. But a lot of people are going to talk about you as as the first woman to do this. Have, have, are you used to breaking ground like this, or is it something that's sort of just passe to you now? You don't even worry about it. Um, well, it's quite new for me. Um, I played not only the disabled golf, but also normal golf, and I was always quite in the middle, never really in the top. So it's really new for me now. So when you when you play able bodied golf, is are you in mixed fields, or is it? part of a women's only event what what's your history been with that uh no it's women's only and then uh just the dutch championships and some tournaments in other countries but just girls so we should ask you about that what is what is your handicap your dutch handicap or your european handicap what do you play to normally in in different amateur tournaments uh 1.4 yeah can play (laughs) can play (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> so what's been your best result, Daphne, in, in, in those sort of Dutch Open events? Ooh, I think minus two, maybe. And have you had a victory in, sure. in, in the women's tournaments, or have they all been good efforts without getting over the line? Um, I won, like, the Dutch rankings, but more because I played the good tournament where I get points. Mm. <laughs> Other people were maybe better, but I played quite good. So, well, that's all. That's what it's all about, isn't it? And uh, Daphne, yeah, I know you, you're quite active in playing the uh, Edgar tournaments, um, and uh, notably, you're the European um, uh, re- European Women's Champion. Um, yeah, tell me a little bit about sort of that experience. Was that the first um, time you've been able to lift uh, a significant title um, uh, during that event? Oh, well, it was the first time that I competed in um, some kind of tournament. So, yeah, it was the first time I lifted the trophy and it felt quite good. <laughs> yeah. I want to do it again. So Yeah, so I actually, listening to your chats with Tony Bennett as well, the podcast, you, you talk about how you just really enjoy the game and just play for fun. I think you started when you were six years old um, and then really sort of, mm-hmm. sort of I suppose... Uh, focused heavily on on competitive golf when you were about 16, but you still sort of spoke about 
it just being a, a, a really, you know, a fun thing to do. So since winning the European Championship, have you sort of, I suppose, now sort of turned up the competitive, uh, the competitive fire in a way? Are you you're looking to try and play more competitive golf and travel more as a result? Um, not really. I always try to enjoy it and kind of only play the tournaments I feel like I want to play. And I always go with some other Dutch people and we always have fun. So it's more a fun thing for me and the winning is always good. Then it's not about winning for me. It's just an added bonus when you get over the line. Daphne, what, what's, yeah. the, what's the appeal then in coming to Australia to play such a big event? Sorry? What, what is, what's the appeal? Why would you come to Australia to play such a big event? Um, yeah, good question. Uh, for me, it's not to get like in the picture for me, but more for women's golf and disabled golf. And um, there aren't a lot of women who play disabled golf. Uh, and I would like to see more competition between the women and more women in in the game. So yeah. I think that's my reason. <laughs> Terrific. And I suppose that was our our thing at Golf Australia as well. I, I think we're a, you know a, a big supporter of the Women in Golf Charter that the RNA have developed. I know Edgar also is signatory to that charter, and uh, we certainly felt that this was a great opportunity for us to. Um, showcase women's golf at multiple levels. And I think, um, you know, this is a, an enormous opportunity and, and I'm just absolutely stoked that you get there, as Mark said earlier, um, get there on merit. Um, mm. But also just we know what waves and ripples this tournament caused last year. And I think that um, with you participating, Daphne, that this will really, um, really give women's golf in the disabled golf space a real injection. So we're certainly looking forward yeah, to having really you there. Yeah, I really hope so. Are you, are you, yeah, me too. What's your understanding of the Australian Open through its history, Daphne? I, I'm not sure if you're a golf historian, but there's been some, you know, the who's who of golf has played and won this tournament. Um, it's attracting an, an incredible field um, in in both the AAAC and the Australian Open this this December. Are you prepared to play alongside Ernie Els and um, Louis Louis Oosthuizen and and the, and the like, Adam Scott? Um, if he if he can tee it up, that'll be awesome. Those sort of players. Uh, well, it will not be easy to beat them, but I will try <laughs> and um, try to have fun. Um, it sounds like you're going to have a lot of fun. So can we talk, I should have asked you perhaps before we started, but can we talk about the reason you play um, against golfers with a disability? Yeah, of course. So you, you've overcome a couple of challenges to get to this. What, what's what been the, what's your life story to get to this point, Daphne? Um, I got diagnosed with uh, scoliosis. Um, it's, yeah, it's hard to explain for me in English, but um, it's that my spine isn't straight. And, um, yeah, they straighten it with uh, pins and screws and stuff. And that's where I am now. But um, I've been in therapy and stuff to get it straight out of itself and not by operation, but didn't succeed 
So has golf played and a good a good has golf played a really good part in your um your rehabilitation, I suppose, yeah. for want of a better word? Uh well sport doing sport is always good and uh, golf is what I love. So um when I went to the course uh, it was a bit of having fun and um trying to forget about what the pain and stuff. Mm. So yeah. Yeah and uh, it was just to jump in there, just for um, our listeners too, and knowing, uh, read your story as well, Daphne, that you, you said that your scoliosis was around about 50 degrees, wow. um, I think, at the start. Yeah. I think after surgery, uh, it, it went down to about 35. Is that right? Uh, I think around 27 now. 27 degrees, Fantastic. yeah. Now, just to put that in context too, yeah. I think we, we talk about, you know, no one has a, a completely straight spine, but you'd probably say no. the average is around about 10 degrees. I would okay. imagine 10 degrees of curvature through the spine is, is that's about right. I think, um, so yeah, yeah, mm-hmm. significant surgery. Um, and I believe you still have to maintain a fairly sort of significant, um, sort of physical program to, to maintain that, that level of flexibility through your spine. Is that right? Um, yeah, I have to, because also because, uh, lower part of my back isn't operated and it's also with the curve so if i don't train that part then maybe i have to do a second operation and that's not not what i want of course no i i remember uh also you said you couldn't wait to get out of the hospital i think you you sort of discharge yourself a little bit early um (laughs) Didn't couldn't couldn't quite wait out the week in in hospital and, and rehabilitation. You check yourself out, I I believe. Yeah, true. <laughs> does it, does it um, as your golf improved as your as your spines become a different angle? Um, not really. It's almost the same, but okay. uh, my swing is better. I always had like the overswing, like too far. Yeah. In my back swing, and now I can't anymore. So now I'm in a good position. Yeah, it's nice. Uh, and where where do you hope golf could take you? I am assuming that you have uh, you know large aspirations outside tournaments for golfers with a disability as well. Um, I'm focusing more now on the disabled part, um, and I would love to play the Paralympics, but it has to be. A lot of more improvement to get to the Paralympics, not just for me, but uh, for the golf itself. Yeah. So that that's a dream for me, but don't know if we have to keep our fingers crossed true. for uh, twenty twenty eight. I might ask Christian a bit about that in yeah. a second. We we'll, we'll let you go, Daphne. But we seriously appreciate you uh, waiting up so late to talk to us from the Netherlands tonight and we're absolutely thrilled that you're coming to Sydney in December. We really look forward to meeting you in person and uh, hopefully you can get out there and give Ernie Els a bit of a lesson maybe in uh, around the Australian <laughs> Golf Club. <laughs> Very good. Thanks, Daphne. That will be great. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> Thanks. Daphne Van Houten joining us on Inside the Ropes. So incredibly good of her to join us, Christian, on you know on, on such an important occasion. It is, as you mentioned earlier, it's groundbreaking. We were chuffed to have the tournament come online last year. Uh, 
internally, but it really took off from an external point of view too, didn't it? So this is more groundbreaking. Yeah, I think just to reflect back on last year, early in the week, I remember we had the the press conferences and things like that. But just the the way the mainstream media just picked that up and 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 ran with it, it, uh, it I didn't sort of think it'd get that much the exposure that it got, but. Um, but yeah, as I said earlier, uh, the the addition of uh, of those other countries joining the rankings is just going to get deeper and deeper. And when you get someone like Mike Rolls, for instance, um, who's you know one of our great players, just nudged out to mm. to get a start, just sort of shows you the level of um, of, of competition that's that's there now. Well, before we go through the field, and you can announce all the other players. Um, it, it is an amazing thing to see. From the announcement of this tournament last year, which was you know roughly this time last year, the 2018 AAAC, where the whole scheme of golf with a disability has gone, because there's now the world rankings, as you hinted before, yep. there, which is critical to what you're about to tell us. Um, but there's now an accepted program, and you know we, we've also mentioned about Jeff Nicholas going to the basically what is the European Tour finale in in Dubai coming up too. So. It's not just Australia anymore. It's it's a global thing. You've mentioned Edgar, the European Disabled Golf Association, um, a couple of times. Uh, it's really gathered momentum, hasn't it? Yeah, it has. And since that, um, your spot on the European Tour have picked up two events uh, on the back of uh, the AAAC. Um, you know, they uh, Keith Pally in particular, the, the CEO of the European Tour, was really amazed with what we were able to do and uh, very quickly started conversations with Edgar about getting the Scottish Open um uh, as their first first ranking event, um, so same obviously the same uh, format as the AAAC, and then yeah to integrate into the DP Tour World Championship in Dubai in November as well. So it's been a busy uh, busy year for the players, and I think um, to some extent we haven't been able to keep up with the growth. It's um, we've we're getting a lot of national federations sort of reaching out and asking how they can uh, take the same the same format, and uh, we have to be mindful as well that. You know, these players are, um, uh, you know, they, a lot of them are working, they're having jobs and to mm, take annual mm. leave and to get to these tournaments can be a, a real deal, a real big deal for these guys. So, you know, where does it go? I see there's an opportunity to obviously have more events on the calendar. It's a great product and people love it. We saw some great crowds out uh, at the lakes last year, but, um, but yeah, we need to start to sort of think more. Um, about how we can keep it sustainable. I think, you know, once we start to get more events, um, you know, it's important that we, we give these, the best players in the world, every opportunity to get to these tournaments mm. as well. So, um, yeah, one year. Wow. Yeah. yeah. Well, you had the World Cup, like you prompted the World Cup. Yes. Yep. Um, you know, we're going to have something around the President's Cup this year. Yes. In, yep. in Melbourne as well. Yep. yep. Um, you're very modest about your role in it, but I know that something that, um, you know, really well, it probably doesn't sit perfectly well with you at the moment. And, you, and Daphne mentioned it was the Paralympics. Yep. Um, you came really close to getting the vote up for 2020 and 2024, but it didn't quite pan out. But this is no. this is the big dream, isn't it, to get it to 2028? Absolutely. And we've got now, I think, that all the pieces are starting to sit with the right people. Now, uh, previously, the, uh, the rankings for golfers with disability was with Edgar. Now that's obviously been handed over to the RNA and the USGA and sits with world amateur golf rankings. So that was an important step for us. Um, the other things that are quite significant, um, are things like handing over this world program over to the IGF, the International Golf Federation, who are that, um, 
they are the governing body as far as the IPC are concerned uh, for the sport. So I think some gaps... International Paralympic Committee? Correct. Sorry, I use, <laughs> I use it all you're, the time. You're an Edgar, you're IPC that's man. That's it, exactly. Um, <laughs> Yeah, so I, I think that's probably where the gaps were a little bit, that we had a lot of organisations doing some great things. And on paper, we could say we were compliant, but um, the the IPC aren't interested in dealing with multiple organisations. It, it all needs to sit with the IGF. So yeah. they've been working really hard with um, through the, through the um, uh, Disabled Golf Committee that they've established uh, in pulling all that stuff back in-house and making sure that the relevant things sit with them. Classification is a great example of that. So before we were using the EDGAR definitions of impairment, that is coming across to the IGF. So mm. it should sit with them. As I can't a, believe you can't run point. the entire world of um, golf with a disability <laughs> from your little office, your little <laughs> desk at Golf Australia. No, look, I, it's it's funny you say that. Like the support... <laughs> The, the, the support um, is globally, and I think we've got just such a great relationship. Golf Australia's got such a great relationship with Edgar, uh, with Tony Bennett, who has now since started in a, in a role with the IGF uh, mm-hmm. to pull all this together. But all the national federations are, are really, really working hard together to try and to try and make sure that we hit all the requirements for 2028. Well, Christian's too polite to sort of talk himself up, but I'll say, like, you are the driving force of this. You should be super proud, and I, I know you're not going to talk about it, but I'm really <laughs> I'm thrilled to work with you because I know all the pain that you uh, put yourself to, to to get, you know, the product out there for everyone else to know and come to learn and appreciate. So thank you. We much appreciate it because you've opened up eyes, including grizzled, grizzled old ones like mine, <laughs> to a whole new concept. And, and I was looking forward to it last year. It way exceeded my expectations. Mm. And I'm really looking forward to what we're about to talk about now, which is the field yes. for the 2019 Australian All Abilities Championship. We've already met Daphne Van Houten. Fill yep. us in on the rest of the field. Yeah. So uh, as I said, we've got uh, eight internationals for Australians in the field. So um, Johan Kamerstad, our defending champion, is coming back from Sweden. Um, People forget that. I, I, we will talk about this as we go through. Johan Kammerstad, a seven like last year at the Lakes was windy. It was. It was rough. It was, it was rough going. Seventy three. He shot off the tips in the last round. Yeah. Beat twenty five of the able bodied field. Yeah. Best in Australia that we could assemble. Yeah. Absolutely. Amazing goal. Was a, it was a stunning round, and I think that was one of the great sort of talking points was the fact that we did play off the same tees, and so you could actually measure those. those yep. You know, seventy three was a. a, a a legit seventy three. Legit seventy three. There was nothing different about it. Yeah, um, unreal. The rest of the field. So, so he's coming back. He's coming back. Uh, we've got Brendan Lawler coming back from Ireland, who's um, who has had a big year as well. He's uh, turned professional. Actually, he's signed he? signed a deal with uh, Modest Golf, I believe. And um, uh, he after after his success at the Scottish Open. Um, so he won the Scottish Open. He won the Scott the Edgar Scottish yep. Open. Yep. And he was our runner-up last year. He was. He was a fantastic little character. Yeah, fantastic. Yeah, so he's he's back. Uh, we do have some new players. Um, uh, Mike Brown, amputee from England. Um, Curtis Barkley from Canada is is coming through. Um, Adam Wabi's back from Belgium. He's a great character too. We had him last year. He was third last year. Yeah, yeah. No, he had a he had a fantastic. Uh, he had a fantastic year and brought brought his family over. They're all back again to support him. So uh, I was thrilled. I was thrilled with him, mate, to be you know cutting on you there. Like, he was such a polite, humble young man. I was chuffed to deal with him. Yeah. Not only that, too. I think he really understands. Um, you know, we, we saw you know the engagement that that he had with the crowds and 
uh, and with the media as well. He mm. loved, you know, the fist pumps and all that sort of stuff. And he knew that we last year we were playing for more than just a title. It was more about um, showcasing um, this side of the sport. Yeah. And uh, and he's a great ambassador, obviously, yeah. for that. So yeah, we're stoked to have him back. Sorry to interrupt you. No, you're right. <laughs> Um, and then we've got, uh, the two Americans, we've got Kenny Bonds and Chad Pfeiffer. So Kenny, uh, I met years and years ago in Japan, um, at the world, uh, disabled golf championships. He's a, uh, colorful character. He loves the loud shorts and the, uh, and he's, uh, got the mohawk, uh, mohawk happening. So has he uh, really? yeah, he has. Yeah. No, he's, he loves to. Put himself out there. An unusual bounce on Kenny Bonds. <laughs> yeah, that's it. Excellent. And Chad Pfeiffer. So Chad, um, Chad's a, 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 I think a left leg amputee. Um, really, really great story too. He's he's had to really face adversity, and um, he actually lost his leg in the uh, Iraq conflict. I think about twelve years ago. As an American soldier. As an American soldier, came back, um, and since then. Found golf, and uh, I think he's won his national amputee title three times in the last wow. four or five years, including I think he had a uh, a final round of about sixty five or something to win that championship. <laughs> so really? some serious game. And this is this is you you spoke about Curtis Barkley a second ago, and Bonts, and now Pfeiffer. This is where the field's different to last year because yep. now you've got North American players as part of the That's world right. rankings. Yep, yep. So. And obviously, as the talent gets, the talent pool gets bigger. We're, we're seeing, you know, the, some of the players that you know we saw last year, or um, you know, it's a real struggle to get there. And I think the players love that. The players love the fact that they're getting to this tournament on merit. Mm. I know uh, we spoke about Mike Rolls very briefly earlier, but you know, he was disappointed not to make the field. But he also understood that he's like, well, yeah, next year I'm going to work my backside off to yep. to get back into the in, back into the field. So. So now Daphne Houghton is the, the fifth European, as we've already spoken to her. You've got three North Americans, five Europeans, and the four yep. Aussies. And the four Aussies. So we've got Shane Luke um, back. So it won't change from last year. We've got yeah, Shane Luke, um, Cameron Pollard um, from New South Wales, and also Stephen Pryor. Um, and Jeff. Back as well. And sorry, and Jeff Nicholas. Sorry, Jeff. Gee, he'll be dark with you. I know. Well, he's had such a busy year, I think. <laughs> you know, it's hard to tell where he is at the moment. He has... <laughs> Played in the Scottish Open, I think he qualified also for the for the uh, the Senior Open Championship too. Yeah, the able-bodied the senior, able-bodied. Open. So distract the fair eyes with Tom Watson and yeah and Co. Um, yeah, that was another first. We think. Uh, yeah, that's unbelievable. Huge, unbelievable. And I, I'm for one another. I mentioned Adam Wabi before. All the guys are great to, to deal with. Last year was fantastic. But um, Cameron Pollard's cracking story for me because he's taken. Uh, the opportunity that he was given last year, he was basically the last person into the field. Yeah, he was. Yeah, he was an invite, invite, invite had, position because he won the. Yeah, we we gave to him. He well, he won the uh, Special Olympics national. Um, so he's he's played. He plays at Sawtell. Is that right? Just near Coffs Sawtell Harbour Golf Club. Yep. So he's come down, had his eyes completely open to what it, the experience of the Australian All Abilities Championship was. Played his backside off. Yeah. Did beautifully. Like really yep. contended. And, and, and on the last two and talking about how tough that last day was, this kid has birdied 17, par five, and then he's striped a, I don't know what it would probably a mid iron where yeah. I'd probably hit a long iron in there, hazy, <laughs> um, to about 20 feet, rolled it in for two. So he's birdied the last two. I, I'd put the challenge out there. I don't think any nah. tour player last year birdied the last two, um, and Cam just did it and. 
you know, loved it. Absolutely loved it. That's, and he was so excited to do that in front of the crowd. Absolutely. So now uh, you, uh, you mentioned the Special Olympics. He's really taken this on. Uh, he's been a bit of, become a bit of a role model, hasn't he? Yes, yeah. So um, he's had a big year as well. So he got invited to the Macau Masters um, Special Olympics event um, where not only did he win that as well, <laughs> but he was asked to present at the uh, at the uh, as the keynote speaker at the dinner as well. So, uh, which and just to give you some context, um, yeah. you know, there's a lot of anxiety um, things issues that that Cam's had to overcome in the last few years. And so, what I is know, his disability? Yeah. So, um, uh, Cam has autism. Yep. Um, but in certain environments, you know, it can be really overwhelming. So, you know, we, we spoke to at length with Kate, his mum and Scott, um, and did some planning around, you know, his involvement in the, in the open last year, even down to things like his, you know, his diet, you know, we had to make sure that we had a uh, good supply of, uh, chips and, and a particular color Gatorade, which he, <laughs> which he always likes. I didn't know that. <laughs> yeah, there you go. Um, but you know, and then Kate's walking behind and she's sort of managing, those anxiety levels throughout the tournament as well. And, and just what to be skill. there as support. What a skill so, that is. Absolutely. And they're the sort of things that people just don't see. Yeah. And, but, but not only to do that, but the camaraderie that he developed with not only the Australian players, but the international players, not only in Sydney, but down to Melbourne, um, they're all really close mates and they all keep in contact. <laughs> so uh, how's that? Right. I, that, so that to me is the power of the Australian All Abilities Championship. A kid from Sawtell, you know, which is, just on the fringes of Coffs Harbour there, for those who don't know. Uh, it, he's gone from, you know, being a, liking golf and being a local golfer to competing and winning overseas to being a keynote speaker at a conference oh, no. yep. with autism. It's yep. unbelievable the yep. development, you know, in, in his confidence to be able to do that. Yeah, absolutely. And, um, you know, we recognise to it, GA, that, he was going over there to speak and he would be a great ambassador for the Australian All Abilities Championship and the World Cup event that we ran last year. Um, so, you know, I said to him, mate, you're going to be representing us. You're going to be in a GA, GA shirt. And, um, you know, and he was so proud of the fact that he was representing us as a, as a country yeah. over there and to talk about these two tournaments and his experience. And, um, and, you know, that's had ripple effects. I know, you know, even Australians that are, uh, that are playing special Olympics events, you know, I've had phone calls from guys that have rang me up and said how proud they are of Cam, uh, wow. what he's done. So he's really inspiring that next generation of kids with autism through, through golf as well. And he's become a bit of a pinup boy for the special Olympics, hasn't he? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. A hundred percent. Wow. Well, that's the power of the Australian All Abilities Championship and we're chuffed to have it back among the field, alternating groups at the Australian Golf Club again. Is it three rounds? Yeah, three rounds. So we start on the Friday and on Sunday. About, so the last round, we'll, oh, sorry, the last pair we envisage to, to finish once again about half an hour behind the, the final pairing of the Australian Open. So Half an hour behind or in front? Uh, sorry, yeah, in I front. should say in front. Yep. So pack grandstands and, you know, it's fantastic. So they'll basically be, you know, the fourth to last group off. Yep. And then the sixth to last and eighth to last, the three groups. Yes. Yeah. Yep. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> That's is it, sorry. They're playing in fours or threes. Do you know? Uh they'll play in threes. It just depends on. We'll mirror whatever the field's doing. So if yeah, Trevor decides to if it's two balls or three balls, we'll mirror mirror the same okay. the same groupings. So well, I know that everyone who came along to watch it at the lakes last year was thrilled. Um, it, it just became part of the tournament, which is exactly what you want to happen. Mm. And and 
hopefully forevermore. We're up to the 104th Australian Open. We're not going to be around to see the 104th AAC. <laughs> Definitely not. But, uh, you know, you should be super proud of what you've done there. And I know that it's, a, you know, for something to become um, admired and looked forward to so quickly, I think is a real yeah. credit to you, mate. Well Thanks, done. Hazy. Good on you. That's it for our uh, Australian All Abilities Championship segment. And really, again, a big thanks to Daphne Van Houten. Uh, we'll return after the break to continue Inside the Ropes. Hi, I'm Minji Lee, and I'm proud to be an ambassador for MyGolf, Australian golf's national junior program. One of my favourite things about coming back to Australia is seeing all the kids getting into golf. MyGolf is every Aussie kid's first step on their golfing pathway. It's all about fun and friendship, learning golf and life skills in a safe and healthy environment. So, if your child is between 5 and 12 years old, be sure to find a program near you at mygolf.org.au. Welcome back to Inside the Robes. A huge thanks to Christian Hamilton for joining me in that second segment. Uh, Ali, that's, that's great news, isn't it? I know that you've you've known a little bit about Daphne Van Houten. Um, she promises to be something pretty special, I reckon. Yeah, and you know what? It's kind of one of those things where it's the more the merrier yeah. as well. And I am massively on board with uh, the initiative. I think Christian does a, a great job as well. And, and I'm quite proud whenever I go overseas that Australia is kind of at the forefront of... Uh, of this kind of movement, yep, it's it's. I agree. Thumbs up all the, all around for me. Yeah, I'm 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 really proud of it. We uh, we spent a lot of time on it last year, and at at the time when it was announced, I wasn't sure. By the end of the first week, because uh, it obviously went for a second week at the World Cup in a different guys, I was so on board, and the people are so nice and competitive, and it reminds you of everything you want to be in a sports star person event tournament, whatever you want to say when you're a little kid. To me, like it was just pure. Pure yeah. sport. It was Love great. It. I loved it. I can't wait to see them all again. Um, yeah, got got really great memories of that and, and aspirations about what it could be, I think. Yeah, and you know what? I, I hope that we work out a way to integrate it even more yeah. into the media side of things because it, it, essentially it's gone from um, a lot of these athletes being there on the Wednesday for clinics and for, for promos yep. and, you know, fair play, get, get them right in the mix. And, um, no, I'm, I'm all for it. Beautiful. Well, I'm not going to, I'm not sure normally when we delve into an area that we're about to delve into, there's someone who wears the white cap and someone who wears the black cap. And I'm not sure if it's going to be you or me here. This is totally unscripted. So let's go. This is the other elephant in the room, uh, in Australian golf this week. It's not, well, I shouldn't say that cause it's, it's never been that big a deal and she wouldn't probably like us making a big deal of it, to be honest. Very true. But having said that, Hannah Green is one of a, well, 25 million people who aren't <laughs> on the short list of the Don Award at the Sport Australia Hall of Fame Awards this week. Um, depending when you're listening to this, they may have been run and won, but she wasn't one of the nine finalists for the Don. Now, before we start this conversation, I want to absolutely put on the record that I am not denigrating one of those people who were nominated. And I, I don't like the belittling of champions for the sake of others. So that's definitely not what we're about. I'm sure you'd be the same echo that sentiment. So I'm not, I, you know, I have my own thoughts about where she might sit if they had to have a specific number of nine and who could come out. But that's to, I, I want to reiterate, I don't want to denigrate any one of these people. They've done amazing things. So let's run through them. Dylan Alcott, tennis. Ash Barty, tennis. Cooper Cronk, rugby league. Uh, Elise Perry, cricket. Ariane Titmus, swimming. Caleb Ewan, cycling. Tim Payne, cricket. Craig Lowndes, uh, motorsport. And Steph Gilmore, surfing. 
congratulations, all nine, to be nominated for that award. The, the peak honour in Australian sport is awesome. Absolutely massive. Hannah Green has missed the bloody cut. It's unbelievable, Ali. It's unbelievable. It, you know what? You kind of wish that there was a little bit of the, like the honourable mentions, you know, like the little people that come at the brackets of the bottom of the announcement. Like yeah. we would have loved to include you, but yeah. sorry, mate, better luck next year. Um, I, I saw your outrage, Hazy. I saw it on social media <laughs> and... You know, every now, like you're not a you're not a bear that anyone really wants to poke because you just you, you know you just get in there and you get all ranty and uh, I just, just don't know that I don't want to necessarily take you on. So, given that I thought that this might come up today, yes, I did a, I did a little bit of research. Oh, I love your research. I've yeah. said that several times. And so my research was based on googling the person's name and then clicking on news. Okay, so nice. this was this was the process <laughs> that I did for each. For each of the athletes, even though I was obviously quite aware of the majority of the athletes, um, Caleb Ewan, I wasn't, uh, didn't have it on my radar because mm-hmm. I, I don't watch that much cycling, if I'm honest. Um, Ariana Titmus as well. Um, yeah, don't, when I'm overseas, you don't see that much mm-hmm. swimming. Uh, so just to try and get a little bit of a benchmark. Now, I've also researched Jason Day and Adam Scott in the years that they were nominated. Both of them went on to win. In those respective years, they actually won the awards. So that was 2013 for Adam Scott after the yes, Masters. Precisely. And 2015 for Jason Day after the PGA Championship. Yes. Now, the thing that I have noticed is in my, in my research, one of, the, one of the requirements of the Don Award is also, it is being incredible in your own field, but it is also the potential worldwide impact and Australia-wide impact that that person can have and, and their achievements will have on the population. Um, there's an argument that car racing, for example, um, swimming in terms of the potential global outreach of it and the, and the worldwide news, um, rugby league as well, how they all compare. But, I mean, that's I kind of think that's what the nominations are for. And, you know, Cooper Cronk, I don't think that anyone in rugby league would would disagree with that statement um, that he should be included. Oh, I'm not. I'm not um, running down any of these. People. I know. I know you're not, and, and I'm not implying that we're trying to take anyone off the list. It's more like we're trying to add one to the list. But I think the concept of where Hannah was doing what she did, a incredible. But when Adam Scott and Jason Day were nominated and won, they were both inside the world top three. Um, Jason Day was world number one as well. I think at that point in time, he'd won five times that season. Adam Scott won, won twice, was the, you know, the first Australian to win the, the Masters. And I think the storyline of yeah. that um, kind of carried it away a little bit. But, it, I mean, you'll, you'll get no argument about me from Steph Gilmore either. I just think that she is salt of the Legend. earth. I, yeah, I, every sport wishes they had a Steph Gilmore, oh, in my yeah. opinion. And we're lucky enough that she's Aussie, thank God. So, um, <laughs> yeah, we'll, we'll claim her. But... I'm not disagreeing with Hannah being a nomination, but uh, yeah, I mean, I'm not suggesting she should win this award. By the way, no, I, I want to hear your, I want to hear your numbers in a minute. I do want to hear those. No, your were, research. That was them. Oh, I thought you came up with something in comparison to Caleb Ewan and Hannah Green on Google. No, I, well, that was the thing. I, I actually really struggled to find anything out about Caleb. All oh, right. On. Like, and, and then obviously, um, with, I think it was Ariana that, you know, she, um, 
she broke, um, was it 400 freestyle that had been massively dominated um, by, this is, see, this is me testing my memory. Oh, no, you're right. And, and, as I, as I scurry through my notes, but was it, um, what's her name? The girl that she hasn't lost the 400 free in seven years. Oh, the American girl. Yeah. lucky. This is really bad. Kaylee. Ledecky. Oh, see, yeah. That's why Justin go. Falcon is I in know, here. Katie Ledecky. Yeah, that's good for me. Legend. Yeah. But it, so, you know, she kind of top, yeah. she, she top, toppled the whole yep. kind of thing. She brought the castle down. Yeah. No, um, and not, and I'm not running down Ariana Titmus, and she's been a, a really good relay swimmer too for Australia as mm-hmm. well as well yep. as her individual events. But you know, I, you could go through all those names, um, and and you got to you run your own. You can't help but run your own sort of biases over them. I uh, that's you know, that makes it really hard. And I don't I don't envy the job of the of the selection panel. Um, Steph Gilmore's a legend to me. Like I think she's a genuine legend. What she does continues to do, how she carries herself impacts female sport more broadly than just surfing. She loves golf too. Can we get her in a pro-am at some point in time? Yeah, like, I'll, can we just invite her to everything until she says yes? Yeah, I'll, I reckon we can do that. Yeah. That's, all right, let's, I'll, I'll put it on a list of yep. to-do things. <laughs> okay. All right. So tell, tell me your reflections now. Well, my reflections on this is that they've expanded it from eight last year. Picked it, Nine has to be an arbitrary number. It can't just be, let's go nine. You know, eight sort of makes sense, or ten makes sense. But you, again, I don't want to get, I don't want to chop someone here. Mm. I really don't. I, you want to go to ten. You want to push well, it to I need, ten. We need to go to ten. We we in this instance, we need to go to ten. I just can't see. All right, I'll I'll, I'll tell it like this. I can't see how Hannah Green and her achievements this year, and it takes in things like running junior clinics at Mount Lawley whenever she goes home to Perth. Signing every person's autograph, doing every media interview that she's requested of doing, fronting up for sponsors, doing things for Golf Australia, doing things for Golf Western Australia, doing things for the ALPG. She's a bloody legend, just like Steph Gilmore is. How Tim Payne, if I'm going to be fair dinkum, who averages 20 in a test match series, is lauded over above that. Great. He was a captain of a team that did something that we haven't done for years. Awesome. Well played. Still um, steered the ship through a crisis of the sandpaper gate, all that stuff. Well played, Tim. Good on you, mate. Don't tell me it's a bigger achievement than winning a major championship, winning again on the LPJ Tour, watching your world ranking rise well over 100 points, putting your name in Olympic contention, doing it on a global stage, getting global recognition. Please. Please, a little respect, and it would ha- look. I don't. This is another dangerous path I'm about to tread Great. down, Ellie. Can't wait. If oh, we were talking about it on social media, as you point out, someone in Western Australia, Sue Thompson, mm-hmm. said she's missed out because she's West Australian. I can't have that because I don't see that at all. I, in my head, that's not right. She obviously sees that being yep. from that side of the country and thinks that they're overlooked. I don't see that at all. That's her slant on it. I don't see that. But it's really hard to make a case when Jason Day and Adam Scott win for something that's comparable, not as big perhaps in terms of the other achievements, that she doesn't get nominated. So that means, is it a golf thing? Maybe, maybe not. They were nominated. Is it a female sport thing? Maybe, maybe not. Steph Gilmore, Ash Barty. Uh, around Titmus, Elise Perry, who's another legend. 
Yes. I mean, that, that we're, legend list. Are oh, we going to start a legend list? We should. We really should. I agree. But the combination of women and golf together to me rings a big bell. Uh, you know, Minji Lee struggled for publicity when she was number two in the world this year, and I ranted about that. Yep. Seriously, we've got to take into. We need to almost rise up as a as a as a golfing community and just actually lord publicly more than what we do, our superstars, and particularly the female ones. Well, you know what? There's one thing that the like the Aussie public may or may not be aware of, but all of our best Australian women come home every year. Yeah. And they support their home events every year, the big, the big and the small, um, which is something that we don't see that much on the men's side. They, they still prioritise Australian golf. Um, and I think we ride that wave as long as possible. I don't actually see it ending if I'm no, I don't see it ending on either. the women's side. I don't, I don't see them going the other way. And, you know, a lot of the girls have homes in, in the US now and still come home. Um, we were very fortunate to have Kari Webb do it through a, a reign of dominance yes. in women's world golf. Yeah. And she, and she built women's golf when she did that. And the and next generation are so acutely aware of that and already and doing it in their early twenties. And we're seeing the reward. Yep. Yep. Get behind. She doesn't have to get. She doesn't need a Don Award or a Don Award nomination to be uh, a superstar in anyone's eyes. Hannah, we love you. Um, we recognise what you've done. I'm sure they, the judging panel, would like to have put. You know, had 14 people in there. I'm sure that's true. And there must be things that complicate it that we don't see. But I do implore all, everyone listening, just at some point, you know, give her a chop out, give her a pat on the back on social media. You know, go and watch her play. Same with Minji Lee and Suo and everyone. Just get around them a little bit because that's about all we can do at the moment, unfortunately. Yeah, fair enough. I mean, for me, Greeny, she gets the Spirit Award. She is, I think that, I mean, Cam Smith probably gets it on the men's side um, in terms of understanding big picture, but there is no one more approachable, I think, in the women's game than Hannah. I mean, you know, when she when she won the women's PGA, it's a classic example that a girl went up, you know, Mid round on the eighth hole and gave her a poem and she and she reacted to it. Not only read it and used it. Read it, used it, used it as part as uh, part of her fabric for that week, and, and it became you know part of the tapestry of of her first ever major win. And I don't know. I just think she's she's top of the notch, top notch. You're a donet. You're a donet in my yes. in in my eyes, and yes. I'm sure the same for Ellie. Yeah. Now, should we talk about some other things? Around yeah, the world? go for your life. Yeah, I've. I've found there's a really interesting little story that I want to bring to people's attention that happened on the Symmetra Tour this this week. Now, it was the final event. The top 10 players on the Symmetra Tour, which is a secondary US tour, get their LPGA cards. And it was the last chance. And one of the girls um, that was sitting in 10th place had a bit of a brain fart. Now, <laughs> this, this could be... Com- potentially career ending if it gets into your head. What she did, her, so her name's um, Mind Mueng Kumsakul and she is a great player, obviously, sitting in 10th place, but she she just missed the fact that the Pro-Am tea time was actually an hour earlier than she thought. So she turned up, I think, at 8.20 to the golf course uh, the Pro-Am shotgun on the Wednesday is eight. Now, the rule on the Symmetra Tour is if you can join your group by the second tee, then you can still play. If you miss the Pro-Am, you are withdrawn from the event. Oh, wow. 
it is it cutthroat. It's totally cutthroat. So she and it's a black line. Like there's no there is no gray area except for that second tee shot. So you have to be there by the by the time that your tee um, your group tees off the second tee shot. She's sitting in tenth. The top ten get their cards. She ends up getting out to the tee after her group had teed off the second. The the officials, as soon as they saw her, they've been looking for her, desperately trying to get her out there, rush her out on a cart, like barely even had time to tie up her shoelaces, I think. I I know they did everything they could. She missed it. She had to sit and watch the entire week to see whether she was going to get her LPJ card. Oh, my God. So her whole year rested on her getting this tea time wrong. Oh my God. And just one of those moments. And what happened? She ended up scraping into the top oh, 10. She made it. She made it. Incredible. Oh, wow. I, thought, I thought for sure that was going to be a bad news story. Thankfully, it's not because I don't know how you get back from that. If you, if you, and the Symmetra <laughs> Tour, I have to say, so you pay roughly $500 a week to play. Mm. Before you even start the year, you have 13000 minimum US dollars up front, so 18000 Aussie. To pay to play. It is such a grind. Mm. You go to towns that usually, their motto is you, they don't have major sports teams there. So you're going to places in, you know, like Richmond, Virginia and, and like places that don't have a lot of professional sport and a lot of infrastructure. And it is a grind. You stay with families, you drive from spot to spot, sometimes 16 hours. Like it is hard yakka. Hard yakka. And thankfully... Wow. What's her name? Uh, Mind Mueng Kumsakul. Wow. I just wanted you to say it again. Yeah, you just thought you'd try and trip me up. (laughs) (laughs) Well, that's an incredible story. Yeah. And you know what? There was a couple in the women's game. I've got to talk about Cheyenne Knight as well, who walked away with um, her first ever win on the LPGA Tour. She was in 114th position on the the money list, the kind of the race to CMA Globe, if you will. The top, roughly the top 90 get decent status. In theory, it's top 100. Um, everyone kind of takes the top 100. But she had to get a top five that week in order to keep her card. Wow. She had never even been in within a breath of contention um, the entire year. The University of Alabama, um, former star. There's plenty of them out. That's a really dominant team in, um, in the NCAAs. Um, but just super down to earth. She's a Texan. The event was in Texas. And, um, you know, when she was 12, she, she lost her brother, Brandon, in, in a car accident, a, a drunk driver. Oh. Um, yeah, sadly, he didn't, he didn't walk away and passed away from, uh, from, from that car accident. And, you know, you just look at the family and all of her friends out there and, you know, just her breaking down on the final hole was mm. just so touching. Um, it's never about those stories, but it gives, uh, you know, it, it, I think it, it just gives weight to what they've been through it's in order sort of, to get where they are. It's sort of sad they come out after the fact so that you can't barrack for them while they're experiencing it themselves. Yeah. Yep. I mean, yeah. We I, found out I about just, Cameron Champ's grandpa, you know, after he made his birdie putt on the last to win in the Napa Valley. Same deal. Yeah. Pretty emotional scenes watching Cheyenne Knight. It was. And you know what? And there was plenty of it in, in all fairness. Like you've got to give a tip of the cap to her. She, you know, she'd, Literally never, ever been in contention all throughout the year. And there then walks away to, and wins the event that she has to do to keep her card. And now she'll end up getting into all of the Asian swing, which is totally career changing because it's guaranteed prize money. So mm. it's literally like it's a, it's a license to print money. Mm. And, and it's a license almost to keep your card. I'm 
for the next year without really even having to try. There was another story within Please. the story, Steph yeah. Meadow, um, who's from Northern Ireland, um, up kind of up by the, um, the Port Rush uh, area where the, we had the Open this year. Yep. Um, she is an incredible player and she is a lovely girl and she lost her father in 2015 and went back to be with her family and her golf really suffered and she's just been brooting it out, trying to claw her way back into, into contention. She made a, about a 25 foot putt on the last to keep her card by dollars and she knew that she had to do it. Oh, really? She went birdie, birdie, finish. And she just walked away and went, I hope that's enough. But by gosh, I gave it a good run. Wow. And, um, and it was up, enough. And it was enough. I just, I love, I love it when things like that kind of turn out. Because it's the stories within the stories. stories Sally. <laughs> We've got to have them amongst our rants, that's don't very, we? That's very true. Absolutely. But yeah, I was just really touched by it. So. Well, let's run around the rest of the women's scores from around the world. Hannah Green was the only Australian to make the cut at the Volunteers of America Classic. She finished tied 60th down the track. Catherine Kirk, Sarah Kemp and Suo probably missed an opportunity to slide their rankings up. Um, I know that not all of them will get to play in the Asian swing, will they? Uh, no. No. I, I'm Sarah, probably not. Yeah. It will, every Asian swing event. So we've got four coming up. They start next week. We've got Shanghai, uh, Shanghai, Korea, Taiwan, Japan. And then there's the CME Group Tour Championship at the end of the year that the top 60 get into. Um, it is... Roughly between 45 and 75, but it changes each week, okay. the amount of exemptions. So, um, okay. yeah, nothing's guaranteed. Okay. Uh, we mentioned the Symmetra Tour Championship. Unfortunately there, Robin Choi missed the cut, but Steph Nahr was probably the one we were looking at. She started the week in 25th. I shot two good rounds from memory, I think a 72-71, but still not good enough to make the cut. And that uh, put an end to the possible fairy tale of her roaring up and knocking your... Missing the tea time girl out of tenth place. <laughs> I mean, I, I I back Steph. I've known Steph since <laughs> I was twelve, but you know it was kind of a, a two different, two different categories. Of course, and so Steph, great year from Steph without, you know, winning the ultimate prize, but um, which is the LPGA Tour card. Does she get uh, status up onto the second stage of Q School? Would that be right? Yes. Yeah, yeah. So I'm not she'll sure get whether a, she'll, she'll get a leg up. Yeah, for sure. Whether she'll take that on or whether she'll come home, I'm not sure. But she's she's shown a bit, especially late in this year. I think Stefanata to you know to consider going on again. Um, the biggest result in the women's side from an Australian perspective this week was the women's Indian Open alley on the LET. Um, now, Christine Wolf, uh, Austrian woman, she she won handily, um, but Whitney Hillier for the second week in a row up at the pointy end of the field, she's she's finding a bit of form. She is. I saw Whipper last week actually. I had uh, had lunch with her in Spain uh, at our event the week before this. Um, and she just has such a simple golf swing, mind frame, personality. She's naturally happy. Um, I just, I, I don't understand why she's not top top 30 more often, if mm. I'm honest. Mm. Um, and I said this to her. I was like, mate, you're never going to be far off. Um, you've got all of the ingredients, you know, kind of what's going on. And I, I feel like she kind of went through a patch where she was switching around coaches a lot and trying to find what was working overseas. And I feel like since then we've kind of worked out that you don't necessarily have to do that. You can actually just stick with kind of what you have sometimes and bring Perth to the world. Yeah, a little bit. Yep. Um, yeah. So hopefully, um, I mean, her, uh, her partner, Ben Brewer, her, her fa his father is her coach, Stuart Brewer. And so she gets to get, go back to um, England and spend quite a bit of time with him. And it just seems to be hopefully settling in for Whipper. But I, I need to mention Christine Wolf. to put it bluntly, last year she was leading 
the event going up the 18th hole at DLF Golf and Country Club. If you've watched it, it is terrifying, that hole. The finish, 17 and 18, is horrendous. Like, it's the nightmare kind of stuff. She had a nightmare last year, tanked it Mm. on the last, ended up not winning. Becky Morgan walked away with the title. This year, she comes back, full redemption. Christine Wolf, tip of the cap. Well done. Good job, Christine. Mm. Jolly good. Uh, Becky Kay in the same field. Uh, her first event as a as a touring pro. Uh, congratulations to the young Gold Coaster, thirty seventh. Not in the you know the big money or anything, but she's probably done enough just to pay her airfare across to India. So she's done well, and and just to get the feel of you know a top flight women's event like that is fantastic. Um, we didn't have uh, Karis Davidson playing in Japan, but we did have Gabby Ruffles teeing it up again, and unfortunately didn't make the cut. But her education has been a whirlwind, sort of not unlike Jack. Uh, Jack Trent a bit this year. She's she's put a two bob in everywhere lately. So that's fantastic, even though she didn't make the cut. Boys around the world, Ali. Yes. Um, we've already mentioned Cameron Smith. He was the best finisher in Las Vegas at tied 13th. Jack Trent rocked the world, tied 29th alongside Matt Jones, beating Aaron Badley and Adam Scott, 37th and 42nd. Um Another great result there in the Spanish Open for someone you're familiar with as well. Yeah, Jason Scrivener, t- uh, tied for seventh, uh, a couple of 60, 67, 68, 68, 69. Um, and what a week it was. I have to say, you know, we're looking at Dimi Papadados, Brett Romford uh, also making the cut, Jake McLeod. Great to see Jake playing well. He threw in a 75 and bounced back with a 68 in the final round. And uh, and Dean Lawson, he too made the cut. Um, MCs for Marcus Fraser, Nick Cullen and Wade Ormsby. But um, we came, was it the week before last where not one Australian made yeah. the cut on the European tour? Yeah. And I looked at it and I went, I can't remember the last time. I just had a moment on my own. I can't remember the last time. And there was about 12 or 15 of guys, all of the Aussies missed the cut. So great bounce back from, uh, from Is that what you do them. for casual reading? Yeah. Yeah. I'm a total loser. <laughs> I don't think anyone needs or would question that either. No, that's, no. Uh, and up, up in Tokyo at the Tokai Classic, Brad Kennedy, Dylan Perry and Wan Jun Lee were the Aussies to make the cut. All finished in a tie for 32nd. Pretty hard going on that course there. Andrew Dote in the Taiwan Masters, the best Aussie tied 12. Jake Higginbottom, Scott Hen, Jason Norris and Terry Pilkadaris, the ageless Terry Pilkadaris, all made the cut. <laughs> I'm going to give him a bit of a backhand now and again. So just And a, a big result for Ryan Ruffles without another without another win, but he's pushed his way back up to number eight on the uh, the money list in the Latino America circuit. Hasn't been out of the top 10 in his 10 starts this year, um, of the of the order of merit, I should say. Um, but he's just, I guess, that's his second tournament back um, since they've resumed after their mid-season spell. So we really want to hope and keep your fingers crossed for Ryan as he goes into the next few weeks of the South American swing. He needs to get to the top five, and we'll see him on the Corn Ferry Tour when it, when it picks up. Um, in uh, in January next year, but geez, he's right there. Yeah, get get around him and get around him, even if he doesn't do it. You yeah, know no. what? That's sometimes even more crucial uh, for our guys overseas to to feel your support when it, things are going right and when they're not. It's very very true. Now, Ali, I've read this a few times. Do you want to do the honors? Sure. This is really important for actually for Golf Australia, and it's a chance for our readers, our listeners, to uh, to win big. Yep, we've got the Swing Into Spring competition. Uh, it is jam-packed with a ton of prizes. Entrants, they're given the chance to win one of $3,000, $1,000 uh, 
uh, drum and golf vouchers and the chance to win one of 20 three-month KO subscriptions um, where you can watch a ton of uh, live sport anywhere you are around the world. That's actually how I keep on top of things because okay. you can watch it on replay. Um, this isn't a plug. This is actually just fact. Yeah. So it's one of the only sports subscriptions you can watch on yeah. your laptop on replay, which is great for me with the time zones. So tip of the cap to you. I'm very happy that they're around <laughs> and I don't, I don't want anything free. I just want to say that. <laughs> Get around that. So the website there, Ali, if you just read it one more time for us, if you don't mind, nothing yeah. like me giving you live reads without any warning. No, it's great. Uh, enter now at winwithgolfaustralia.com.au. Hazy, it's a, been a pleasure chatting with you. And you. I can't believe we made it through without the without Grandpa's voice here. I know. I just, I'm waiting for him. Maybe he's having a coffee outside. I'm not he could sure. burst through the door at any stage. It's true. It's a scary thought. There it is. Episode 123, Andy Free for at least an hour now. Um, maybe that's the sign of things to come. Ali Whitaker, thank you so much. Always a pleasure. We'll be back next week to do it all again.